On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Yeah, it's kind of more that darker, mm-hmm. stouty style. Um, stouty. It's very, stouty uh, style. <laughs> <laughs> this is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, uh, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson, here in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Joined today out in the boons in one of the TCA satellite studios. Screeds is here. Michaela, how's it going? A satellite studio? It makes it sound so fancy. I love it. <laughs> Things are good on your end? Things are very good. Really, the satellite studio is my home office, just the other side of my home office from where I normally work. <laughs> so, real exotic chairs. locations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I sit on an exercise ball. It's, it's, it, Look at you. Hold the bar here. Are you a uh, fan of The Office? Like the the no, show, okay. The Office. Yeah, yeah, the show, not necessarily your <laughs> room office, in your head. Yeah, no. <laughs> the show. Yes, yeah. I am, and and yes, I think of Dwight uh, sitting on the bouncy ball and Jim popping <laughs> it every it. single time I sit <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. She's on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides S C H R E I D S, and uh, you can follow along with what she might be drinking throughout the summer on uh, Instagram as well, at Crafted in the Capital. Wherever you're listening right now, hope you'll hit subscribe. If you want to go back and check out a couple of episodes, we've got uh, some cool stuff in the archives here at tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're listening right now. Episode 862, we had Mike Wilner from the Toronto Star, and before that, big part of the uh, the booth team there, play-by-play and color uh, for the Fan 590 in Toronto on the Blue Jays broadcasts. And uh, he was on, talked quite a bit about the moves they made at the trade deadline, uh, the impact of coming back home to the Skydome, uh, some of his work actually with uh, with Team Israel leading up to the Olympics as they barnstormed across the Northeast United States, and he was able to call some of those games for them. So uh, really interesting show there. And we snuck an extra one in, Michaela, over the long weekend. Ray Ferraro was here. Uh, I know, I know. And, uh, we were actually his last stop before summer holidays. It was a Friday evening. Uh, he's out in Vancouver. So three hour time difference. So it's seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Pacific. He's done all his radio hits. He's done his last TV bit for the year. He still was willing to, uh, to jump in, talk to us and, uh, you know, lots of stuff about his move to ESPN, uh, NHL free agency, why the lightning seemed to manage to 
just keep running the show of the NHL here and, and even some thoughts on the Leafs big four. So that's episode 861. We snuck that one in over the long weekend. Uh, if you've missed either of those, highly recommend you go back and check them out. Uh, how was your long weekend? It was fantastic. I had uh, two of my closest friends up from Toronto to visit for the weekend. So we did a little hiking and a little brewery touring and it felt very normal. It was wonderful. How about you? Uh, far less eventful than that. Um, but, uh, as you're aware, I'm getting ready to, to shoot out of here in a week or so and take an extra, yeah. extra, extra long weekend and, and, uh, just hang out at the lake for most of the month of August, I think is what's going to happen. So I kind of kept my nose down through the long weekend, getting some things done, getting some production done here in the studio that I can use, uh, later on when, you know, anything that I don't have to do, cause we're, I, I don't want to alarm the good listener. There may be a week where we disappear, I, I may give myself a couple days to to not be worrying about topics and producing and stuff like that, but we're not going to shut the show down for the entire month of August. We'll still be here. But the less work I have to do while I'm at the lake, the better. So it, it's just, it's production stuff, right? It's background stuff. It's make sure the website's ready. It's make sure we've got openings and intros and outros and all that kind of stuff. That So I, I just worked through that over the long weekend, to be honest with you. Didn't really uh, do too bad. had a nice chat with the with Ray Ferraro on the Friday night of the long weekend. That was really the extent of my socializing. Not a bad uh, social experience for the long weekend. I mean, Ray Ferraro, you may have heard of him. You yeah. know, he's kind of a kind of a big deal. That's, that's not a bad way to kick off the long weekend. And I'm going to frame it completely that that's how he wanted to end his season was with us. That's, 100%. Uh, yeah, obviously. So uh, what are we drinking today, Michaela? Today I am... Breaking into the stash that my friends from Toronto brought me, uh, I am going with Burdock Brewery's IPA. Um, I think I've had their APA on this show before. Yeah, just they a couple are weeks ago, of, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got a shipment from them back. I want to say in early July, maybe late June, and they're one of my favorite uh, breweries in Toronto. It's a small little place on. I think it's in Bloordale Village. Very unassuming. Um, back when you know we could go places and do things, um, I I went there for some drinks. On uh, I went down to Toronto for a weekend. Hmm. Went there for some drinks with my friend, and uh, it was it it was like this cute little tap room had like plants all over the place. Very hipster, very Toronto. But they make honestly like I've never had a bad beer from them, especially their their beer styles that I like, like their APA and their IPA. So. Mm-hmm. When my friends were like, hey, do you want us to bring you any Toronto beer? And I was like, yes, all the Burdock beer, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a nice little stash of that in my uh, in my fridge. And that's uh, that's what I'm going with today. Okay. Nice. Like that. Like that. Uh, I'm staying a little bit closer to home or maybe a little bit closer to your home. I'm into the Perth Brewery right now. Ooh. Uh, this is one I thought I'd had most of their stuff before, to be honest with you. And, and maybe I have and I just don't remember. And, I did a quick double check on uh, the Untapped app there, and uh, it says I haven't had this before, but you know maybe I just forgot to, to check it in. But this is the Easy Amber, and I got to be honest with you, over the the last few weeks and maybe a little longer than that on the show, I'm just I'm feeling ah, you know, I, I miss my stouts and my porters and their the, my browns, <laughs> and it's just it's they've been they're harder to find this time of year, right? And and so I've been going pretty deep with the IPAs and the APAs and the loggers and everything else that's going on, and I'm I'm good with that. And obviously, an amber here, not quite as dark as you like, but it it's trending back in that direction, and is probably as close as I'm going to get this time of year. So this is the Easy Amber from the uh, the Perth Brewing Company. Have you hit them up much? 
I will be honest with you, and this is no disrespect to Perth Brewing. I have, I don't, I'm not a big fan of their beer. Okay. I don't know how to say that not disrespectfully, yeah. but it's just not for me. Okay. I've I've tried a variety of their beers. I've, I think I've tried the Easy Amber. I've tried their IPA. I've tried their, I think, Last Duel Lager yep. uh, is the name of it. And they have a Bonfire Brown or something like that. Bonfire. Yeah, yeah. That one I think my husband likes. Cause I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, it's kind of more that darker, mm-hmm. stouty style. Um Stouty. Very, Stouty uh, style. <laughs> very uh, technical term. But I've just never, nothing, so I haven't found anything that really kind of blows me away. So, right. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not willing to give them another chance, but uh, um, speaking of your stouts and your, your darker beers, I do have some good news for you, Matt. Ooh. Today, when I was on a walk with my dogs, mm-hmm. I saw a tree that is starting to turn colors. Okay, so, so that's horribly depressing into... in a weather sense, but extremely exciting in a beer sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, like I am the most basic of white women when it comes to the <laughs> fact that I love fall. Okay. And the minute I see a colorful tree, I'm like, yes, huh? sweaters, pumpkin spice lattes, scarves, foliage I'm, tours, foliage <laughs> tours, hikes, I'm all into it. And, and I do love like a good English IPA, like that kind of darker, mm-hmm. um, maltier style. So I get really excited right. when fall hits. So I know it's only early August, and I've yeah. probably turned a number of people oh, off this podcast man, at this there's point. a pile of people so annoyed right now at, at even the suggestion. But um, yeah, that, that was one of the reasons that I chose to hold off until August to go away. July, it's, it's stinking hot. Um, a bunch of the bugs still in cottage country haven't been burned off yet. Um, and I'm a hot sleeper to be honest with you. So if you're going to go to the cottage, I'd rather wait till August. The nights are starting to cool off a little bit, not here necessarily, but by the end of the month, that's definitely happening. You do start to see a little bit of the colors turn and, and stuff like that. It's just, uh, um, you know, as opposed to just the oppressive heat of July where, uh, you know, you're not really enjoying it as much as, as you could be. So um, I am excited by that. I do like the uh, the turn of the season back to the uh, back to the. Have you had the one that you're drinking before right now? I have. Okay. I, I drank I drank one over the weekend and I absolutely loved it. So okay. that's that's why I went with it today. And I will I will share with you because I figured this would be of interest to you. So my two friends were here from Toronto. They wanted to check out some Ottawa breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, they're big fans of Tooth and Nail. I've taken them to Tooth and Nail many times over the years. So okay. we did a little mini brewery tour where we went to Tooth and Nail and then we walked on over to Vimy. Okay. And had uh, had some beers on the patio there. And they they were big fans of uh, of Vimy Brewing. So I yeah. thought you'd appreciate that. For Sure, Vimy's a great brewery. Great guys who run it um, make really nice stuff. Their red is fantastic. Their stout is fantastic. Um, the rest of it, I had I'm their sh- East Coast IPA. It was very one. good. Yeah, okay. It was very very tasty. And yeah, Josh was all over the stout. Uh, the cr- their cream ale is super super tasty as well. Mm-hmm. So um, the, my my Toronto friends are going to be telling their friends about it when they get uh, get home. So. That's what we like to hear for sure. Uh, I got before we go any further. Got a major, major, you know, bone to pick with you as we start the oh, show here. No. I, I, I got we got beef right now, Michaela. Oh my god, what did I do? Um, August first. What was that? Sunday or Monday? Sunday, I guess. Andre <laughs> DeGrasse running in the hundred meter final. Um, I believe here in uh, in Ontario it was an eight fifty a.m. Uh, race. Happy to get up, 
check it out, whatever. Uh-oh. And uh, I tweeted something about the race, and in my replies, there's Michaela. Congratulations on being awake to see it. And I know it's well stated on this podcast, I am not a morning person, but 10 to 9, I can handle 10 to 9. I'm obviously going to get up for a major event like that at 10 to... Your disrespect, you're painting me as this just complete loaf that can't roll out of bed, I guess before 11 or or whatever it might be, was just so hurtful that at 8.50, <laughs> I'm there, I'm up, I can... I can I don't necessarily want to be super social yet. I'm not out doing anything particularly demanding yet, but I'm well awake. I'm I'm able to function at 8.50 in the morning and just, man, the derision that you tore me down with there was just something else. I'm just trying to reward good behavior. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Does that mean that you got up no problem for oh, his uh, gold medal winning 200 meter race on Wednesday morning? I don't really want to answer that. Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> gonna, I, I did miss it. I, I, I don't even remember what time it was on. When I woke up, um, it sort of slipped my mind and I was into other things and I may have either not been up in time or... Okay. Well, criticize me for congratulating you. It was at 8.55, so... Okay. Well, then, yes, I absolutely was awake, but I was not in front of the television. Um, That's okay. Up and plugging away at at other things, yes. Uh, But I did miss that. But, yeah, gold medal there for a a uh, 200-meter championship, bringing one home for uh, for Canada. Nice to see the men starting to pick up the the slack there a little bit and and do their part. By men, we mean literally just Andre de Grasse. Well, there's... (laughs) Yes, but there are two in the the finals here coming up in the... What is it? The decathlon uh we got a couple men looking like they might be able to do a little damage here coming up okay, right it give has the men some credit yeah the women have done all the heavy lifting for canada thus far it will be nice to see uh to can uh some of the men start to, to dig it but i was just was very hurt that, that you didn't think i could even see 850 in the morning i'm not well, like to be some fair, cracked out if- meth head or something <laughs> If I am awake for like a 9 p.m. game, I would also like credit. I know that's not crazy late, but you have to understand that even that is a bit of a stretch for me. So I just like to reward people when they do their best. All right. All right. I'm still feeling a little attacked, a little judged, but uh, we'll, <laughs> but we'll let it slide this time. Um, why don't we talk about uh, actually sort of a timing issue still going on? I know you are stoked for the gold medal game in women's soccer. It's going to be Canada versus Sweden. And last I heard, and you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong, as we sit here right now recording on Wednesday afternoon into the evening, there had been a push to move the time of the game. Um, Currently set to be played, or last I heard, set to be played at 11 a.m., Friday morning in Tokyo, which would be 10 p.m., I believe, here in Ontario, um, which I was fine with, um, as we talk about, you know, people patting. I bet you were. Yeah, exactly. Congratulating people for being conscious. Um, but there's been a fair point raised, and it, it was Team Sweden, I guess, who broached it first. 11 a.m. in the Olympic Stadium, it's just ungodly hot, and they wanted to move it till later. Um, I see this thing probably landing back at 4 a.m. where you're up and I'm not. Um, have we seen... 
Has that changed or what are your thoughts on it? I, I haven't seen anything since um, I believe it was late yesterday that yeah. this was reported and I haven't seen any updates since then. So as far as I know, they haven't changed it yet. But yeah, listen, like I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little stressed about a 10 p.m. start. On Thursday night, and and you know for a couple of reasons. One, y'all know I'm not a night person. I am long in bed at that point, and not only do I not want to be awake, but I don't want to be you know stressed and yelling at the TV that late <laughs> because then Lord knows I'm not going to be able to go to bed. And then I'm on the air the next morning with TSN, so I really don't want it. Yeah. Uh, don't want to be up that late uh, watching sports. So if they move to 4 a.m., it's it's almost a perfect storm for me because I have to be up early anyway, and it kind of lines up perfectly where just as the game's ending, I'll. I'll be getting ready to go on the air so i support fully a, a 4 p.m start on or 4 a.m start sorry on friday morning versus a 10 p.m start on thursday but and, and in all honesty i mean it, i've watched these games the poor women are sweating through their jerseys mm-hmm. ha- before halftime and they've been playing mostly in the evenings because we've had a lot of 4 a.m games sure have so i can only imagine what 11 a.m there is gonna be like so i I fully support it, but not just for my own selfish reasons. Yeah, as far as the athletes go, I support the decision to move this. As far as a viewer goes, who <laughs> I'm, my support is far less secure. Right? Like there will be a part of me that if they say no, you're going to play at 11 a.m., that kind of goes, yeah, all right. Like <laughs> we tried, everybody, right, and mm-hmm. and just live with it. So, um, but it is. A hell of a thing to see Team Canada in that gold medal game against Sweden. They knock off the Americans in the semifinal. Uh, there's been some talk. Uh, uh, you're you're far more informed here than I am, so I will leave, you know, the analysis to you. But there's been some talk since then that kind of putting a nail in the coffin of I don't want to be over dramatic, but this generation of American women's soccer, right, in terms of some, there's going to be some turnover coming, some change coming, and this has been a story long time developing, and, and for Canadians, it goes all the way back to London 2012, and a shitty way to lose to the Americans in the semifinal there, um, but they knock off the Americans here, 1-0 in, uh, uh, in semifinal, move on, they're going to play Sweden for the gold medal, um, I was not conscious for that game either, <laughs> despite claiming I was going to shock the world and get up, I decided... It, it, I'm not really that married to the idea of shocking the world. It's fine. I will allow the world to keep its expectations of me intact. Um, what do you think of this whole thing? Canada's playing for gold medal at the Olympic Games in women's soccer. I am so unbelievably excited about this. And, and yeah, like, I, I don't think it's being dramatic when, when you say, like, this literally was Canada slaying their dragon, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's been 20 years since they beat Team USA in women's soccer. March of 2001 was the last time they beat yeah. the U.S. women's national team in soccer. And yeah, there's London 2012 that we Take felt that the ghosts. Take that, Mia Ham. Take that, Mia Ham. And the fact that we can say that says a lot um, about how long it's been. But, you know, you think back to London 2012, the, the, the ghosts of that game were certainly in this stadium, and you felt like that, that Canada was finally getting rid of them. Um, and you know, they talked about the the goal coming into these Olympics was to change the color of the medal. They've got bronze in the last two Olympics in London and Rio. And now we know that they've, they've at least accomplished that they're, they're guaranteed at least a silver medal. Obviously they're playing for gold, but this was, you know, I, I compared it to, I think it's a more, uh, um, dramatic 
version of the Washington Capitals finally being the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hmm. Or, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's a great example you know, of slaying your dragon, right? Like, exactly. And then look what happened after that. It's like as soon as the pressure of this opponent who you just can't seem to get by, yeah. as soon as that pressure is off, who knows what happens. And like I, I, I like a lot of Canadian fans, like I was nervous as hell for this game. I, I was like, I can't stand another loss to <laughs> Team USA. And it felt like this may be the year because Team USA was not looking all that great in this tournament. They weren't as dominant as they normally were. They lost three nothing to Sweden in their opening game. And then they tied Australia. Like they they won one game in group play. Right. So it, it it felt like if there was ever an opportunity for Canada to get by them, it was this. And and you know, I know People will say, oh, they were just lucky they got the penalty. Well, they did, and, and they made no mistake about it, and Jesse Fleming put it in the back of the net. Um, and, and Canada's defense did an absolutely phenomenal job of shutting down Team USA. I mean, the last about 15 minutes of that game, they, they subbed in Megan Rapinoe and I think Carly Lloyd around the 65th minute. Excuse me. And from then on, it was just all USA all the time, <laughs> and they were pressuring big time, and I was nervous as hell. But Canada did a great job at, at shutting them out, and, and uh, Stephanie Labay, the goaltender for or goalkeeper for Team Canada, just did a, did a phenomenal job, and, and she made some big saves in, in those final minutes for sure. So it was it was a fantastic game, and it was just so much fun to watch, and you know to to have this happen with Christine St. Clair still on the team, and her get to enjoy this. I mean, it just you couldn't ask for a better moment. I think it was probably it was you know definitely one of the. the the biggest soccer moment in Canadian history, I think. I, yeah. I think we'll we'll look back on this for a long time, and and at least you know, regardless of what night. happens, at least until there. Well, I think regardless of what happens, I hate to be one of those people. Who's like, oh, it's just an honor to be here. Like, obviously, <laughs> they want gold, and we want gold, and yeah. and it's gonna suck if that doesn't happen. But at the very least, they came, they did what they came here to do, and that's change the color of the medal. Yeah, get a step so, higher on that podium. Yeah. Exactly, and that's one. progress. Of course, it is. That's that's progress, right? And and there there is a changing of the guard. I think it's, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's not her last Olympics, but this is very likely Christine St. Clair's last Olympics, and it, to to make this step with her on it, like it would be devastating if they did this without her. It would it would have a little bit of an asterisk over it right. because you just want to see Christine St. Clair be a part of something like this. She said in 2019 she's sick of bronze medals, and now at least she gets to take home something different. So. I, it was it was at for, for I think it was around six a.m. by the time the game wrapped up, and for six a.m. on the Monday of a long weekend, I have never <laughs> been more energized. <laughs> Granted, I promptly went back to bed. Right. Okay. Um, well, at least that part's relatable. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Christine Sinclair, because one of the things that I took note of in watching the highlights, and then you know, people far more informed than me in the world of soccer commenting on, was that. In a moment like that penalty kick that Fleming has, you would normally, as a Canadian, go, I'd really like Christine Sinclair to take that kick. But she's facing the goalie that she practices her penalty kicks on back here in North America all the time. And so while on one hand, you want Canada's greatest scorer ever, and frankly, the world's greatest scorer ever, if you just take a quick look at the stat sheet, um leads FIFA and all-time international goals, right? Um, you would want her to take that moment. But she knows that's the goalie who's seen me over and over and over, knows my tendencies. I'm overthinking this. She's overthinking. I, I'm going to hand this off to somebody else to take that shot. And that, 
maybe more than anything else is a statement on her leadership because it would be very easy to go, I'm freaking Christine Sinclair, of course I'm taking this shot. And to see her go, no, that's not the right thing right now. And to support Jesse Fleming and have her do it. To step aside and, uh, and say, no, you, you do this. Um, man, it's a hell of a thing, right? It's a hell of a statement on her leadership. Absolutely. And and you're right. That's That was her part of her reasoning for not taking the penalty kick is Adriana French, the goaltender at that point. She's technically the goal, the backup goalkeeper for Team USA, but their their goalkeeper got hurt. Um, she's the goalie for the Portland Thorns where Christine Sinclair plays. So mm-hmm. while Christine Sinclair might have a book on her, she's got a book on Christine. Right. <laughs> so so that makes sense. And, and, you know, Christine Sinclair also missed her penalty kick in the uh, quarterfinal game against Brazil. And I think that was weighing a little heavily on her so while on the one hand you'd think okay she's gonna want that back mm-hmm. on the other hand i think she's she's got enough experience enough leadership to know like it would be mighty selfish of me to take this right now right and i think that you know i i, I think we've talked about this so much and, and about why christine st Clair made this decision i guarantee you she gave it like three seconds thought <laughs> she picked up that ball apparently to prevent someone from team usa from to, from grabbing it because there, this was during the var and like you know there was a review going on and i think there is some thought that you know it could go either way and she just picked up the ball to prevent team usa from grabbing it i guarantee you she right away went you know what missed my last one this goalie knows me boom here you go jesse right and uh, a lot of people viewed it as kind of a passing of the torch um which is also very nice and jesse fleming's celebration was just so amazing <laughs> awesome. with the knee slide um <laughs> So like like I I think full credit goes to Christine St. Clair for this but at, at the same time her leadership is just so strong that I I doubt she gave this much thought because it's just such a um knee jerk reaction for her to to do what's best for the team and and to make a decision that's going to benefit her teammates before herself right. and set her ego aside. So um that was that was definitely an example of that in that moment and uh you know it's it's aside Aside from her first goal uh, in the first game against Japan, which admittedly happened in the first five minutes, so it was right <laughs> off the bat. Yeah. Um, she hasn't been able to contribute in the way that she used to at this point, right? She sat out against Great Britain. She's been much quieter on the field. But again, the benefit of having Christine Sinclair, even if she's not in the match, mm-hmm. it's her leadership. And, and when we saw that here, and I'm not minimizing what she's done. She's still a fantastic player, and she's still a, a huge impact on this team. But, you know, we're not seeing her score the hat-tricks that... that you know, she did before. Um, granted, this was a much lower scoring <laughs> tournament for Team Canada, but uh, I, I, I just think that no matter what, no matter how Christine Sinclair is feeling, she'll always be like the the uh, such a staple on this team, whether it's in her play or her leadership. And this was a prime example of that. Um, well, tee it up for us then. It's Canada, Sweden for the gold medal. Uh, you referenced the Swedes have had a good oh, tournament. God. Yeah, got up three nothing against uh, the Americans. That's a huge win before Canada took down the Americans one nil. Um, you know, I, you tell me what are the what are the odds like here? What is this? You know, how does this matchup break down? Well, oh god, I'm so nervous. Um, <laughs> Canada is definitely the underdog here. <laughs> yeah. um, Canada is definitely the underdog here. There, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, I can't believe I just said that. I'm so Canadian. Uh, <laughs> about it. Um, Sweden. 
I hate myself. Um, Sweden's ranked fifth uh, overall in the FIFA Women's World Soccer rankings. Canada's ranked eighth. So they're not ex- like there's not this huge gap between no. them. But but Sweden is the favorite, and and Sweden has often given Team USA big time trouble. That uh, they certainly did in. Um, in Rio when they actually knocked them out, I believe it was of the quarterfinals. Um, so, so team USA didn't even medal and, uh, and, and Sweden obviously beat them three, nothing in the opening game of this tournament. So they know how to get under team USA skin and team USA is obviously a very stronger, strong team. They're number one. Um, so Canada is definitely the underdog. And I say that because I like, I feel like Canada has been the underdog in almost every game really. Um, even their match against Brazil in the quarterfinals, Brazil's one one spot ahead of them in the in the international rankings, and and yeah, okay, Japan's lower than them, and 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 Chile and what have you, but but I feel like Canada is always trying to prove themselves on the international stage, and this is this is one more example of that. Canada hasn't been in the gold medal game before. This is their first time in there. There's a lot of pressure on them having having uh, beat Team USA, and now they're here. So. Um, I, I don't know what to say in terms of predictions. I think Canada has played pretty well so far this this tournament. They've done a great job at shutting other teams down, but their offense has struggled. Um, you know, they've they haven't scored more than than uh, two goals in a game. Mm. So I, I don't know I don't know whether or not to be nervous there, uh, but I'm definitely going to be nervous because I'm nervous about everything. Uh, but they've they've had some fantastic goaltending from Stephanie Labe, despite the fact that she's gone down with injury in, in two games now, um, but managed to, to rally and come back. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my high-level breakdown <laughs> okay. in that I still don't know exactly what to make or what to think of this game because I, I just think so much in this tournament has gone uh, one way or the other, and it's been so difficult to predict. But Sweden has had a great tournament so far. And they're 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 definitely going to present a challenge for Team Canada. Well, and there's a pressure that goes along with the fact that it's so hard to get here, right? Like you look at the turnover that's going to happen even on the Canadian roster, and you know you've talked about the role that Christine Sinclair has played so far, and whether or not she'll still be there in Paris, and if she is, not likely to be, you know, what she once was. As all of us, none of us are what we once were, um, <laughs> but. It, it you got by the Americans and you got by the Brazilians and you got by the Brits and you've gotten here and you can't just assume that'll all happen for you again in four years and then eight years. It's so hard. And so once you get here, there is this pressure that whether or not you've you deserved to be, uh, that's the wrong saying. They beat everybody they were supposed to beat. They do deserve to be there. But if it's a surprise that you're there and whether you're the underdog or not, you don't just throw out this, you know, just happy to be here, like you referenced earlier, because you don't know when you might get here again, right? Like, there is a pressure that says, man, even if we are supposed to be the underdog here, we better get this done, because this is so hard, right? And and we don't know if any of us will ever get this chance again. So even as the underdog, which in a lot of sports can be freeing to just let that pressure go and know that it's supposed to be on the other team, it's just so different in an Olympic sport like this, a moment like this where it only comes around every four years and the competitiveness, the parity, if you want to call it that, of that kind of top eight, top ten in the FIFA rankings is so close that 
you know, it, it doesn't matter that you're the underdog, you'd feel it. Like we, we need to take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Sweden's got some pressure on them too, because they are the defending silver medalists from Rio. So they lost in the gold medal game to Germany. They don't want to let that happen again. Right. Right. So nothing makes you want gold more than winning silver in a, in a game, in a sport that basically forces you to lose to get silver. Yes. Um, and we all remember how much Nagano fucking sucked. So <laughs> none of us want to do that again. Right. Um, so there's, I think there's pressure on both sides here for yep. sure. And, and yeah, that's As what makes that's Yeah. That's what makes the, the, the match so exciting. And, and, you know, if, if we know one thing, it's that Christine Sinclair does respond very well to pressure. So she knows this, it could be her last Olympics. She knows she may never get here again. And, and I think she'll be just even more motivated to do it for her teammates. So I think, you know, all we can expect at this point is a really great game. Um, hopefully a 4 a.m. game and not a 10 p.m. game, but either way, we're all going to be very energized while watching it. Oh, so that was going to be my last question on this subject. Speaking of pressure, speaking of bringing it for your nation, <laughs> will you be awake at 10 p.m. if that's when kickoff is? Yes, absolutely. That's there's no right. there's no question about it. I, I will be. I have but, to. And, and, and I'm not going to stress this enough. Uh, please do not listen to TSN 1200 the next morning because I am going to suck and be so tired. I'm going to have to get JR to just completely carry the load on that one because I'm going to be useless. Um, <laughs> then I also have to like do my regular job and function as a human and all this stuff. So you may have oh, been better God, served be to a have Friday. a sick day, at least from the regular gig on Friday. Oof. <laughs> go back. To I should bed. have taken the Olympics off. I don't Maybe. know what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, I my vacation. The uh, the Blue Jays are back north of the border, and they had a pretty good uh, pretty good run there over the weekend, sweeping the uh, the Kansas City Royals. Um, but the thing that I wanted to ask you because I thought this was kind of fun, um, and it stems from a very not fun place. But uh, there was a place on um, I think it's on the second deck at the Rogers Center that was essentially a Roberto Alomar themed bar, right? And it was called the Twelve Bar or whatever. Roberto Alomar turns out is not a very good person and there he's going through some legal stuff he's been thrown out of baseball essentially um for you know some sexual misconduct allegations and and you know major league baseball doesn't just throw people out on a whim if they hear a rumor or whatever this has been researched it's been looked into it's been investigated and both the blue jays and major league baseball said we don't want you around us we don't want you to be a part of this so he's taken down off the level of excellence and this bar Michaela, the the formerly Roberto Alomar-themed bar at the Rogers Center, needs a new Blue Jays-themed name. And people were kicking this around on Twitter. And I'd like you, while I kick out a couple of these, to give a little thought, see if you could come up with a nice Blue Jay-themed bar or pub name that could replace um, the Roberto Alomar-themed bar at Rogers Center. But a couple of the ones being kicked around... Um, Jesse Beerfield, uh, for long time, the 80s fans will remember Jesse Barfield, which wouldn't have been bad on its own, just the Jesse nope. Barfield, but I kind of like Jesse's Beerfield. Uh, that works okay. Um, you know, the, a lot of these are, are just meant to be puns or play on words. There's the, the Steve Delabar from back around 2016, <laughs> where maybe your first drink is really good, but then your second and third and fourth are, are not good and you're gone pretty fast <laughs> from the bar. Um, Jose Bartista. And, and oh, I think okay. my favorite, yeah, that was gonna be mine. okay, I think my favorite here, Buck Martinis. 
I think is uh, is is not too bad. Somebody did nice work on that one. So I love that one. That's because all that was going through my head was bar and beer references. Yes, and I, I like that there is a martini uh, <laughs> reference in here. Yeah, Jose Beartista or Jose Bartista are the yeah. two that that kind of popped in my mind. Um, I know he's still young in his career and he's very he's somewhat new on the team, but like Bo Beerchette. Okay, yeah, like I that. don't mind that. That's all right. I mean, maybe I might be a Debbie Downer on this for a second, but um, the first thing that popped in my head was like, if it's not no, you know what? It'd be disrespectful. Never mind. I was gonna say something to do with Roy Holiday, like name it after Roy Holiday, Docks but given or something. The docs would be kind of cool. Yeah, like just docs. Like, like that's all right. I, I you'd have to get permission from his family because yeah. I know that there, uh, there there's a lot documented about the fact that he he was battling some addiction issues yeah, um, before true. he died, at least with prescription pills. And I don't know about alcohol, but be wrong. So maybe that's not so appropriate. Yeah. Um. But I thought the first thing that popped in my head was it's an opportunity to honor honor Roy Holiday, but, but maybe not. Um. I I like. Uh, Jose Beartista or Bartista, whatever is I'm trying to like it's, it's still rolling around in my head. So like, there's got to be something with, and maybe it's not a memory that the Jays want to bring up because of it didn't end so well. But you know, something with Josh Donaldson and the bringer of rain. Yeah, like you know the, the brewer of rain beer or something. Like there's got a brewer of rain. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Like there, there's got to be something there. Uh, from that era, it's an MVP. Kind of thing. You can I think, remember you know, that. I think that's fair, right? Like he yeah. contributed a lot. I like so. the idea of making it a little more modern, yeah. right? Like, you know, maybe there's something with Joe Carter and and the '90s, and I'm sure that's a really great thing to to honor. But you know, engage the younger fans a bit who haven't been around for so long, and and you know, this team is starting to have success, and, and it, it had success a couple years ago, at least consistently making the playoffs. So so I would love to see like a, a player. From around then. Well, let me try one on you here. Let me let me lay this Uh-oh. out. I don't know if this is any good or not, but Joe Carter, when he hits that home run in '93 to win the World Series, it's Tom Cheek who's calling the game on the radio, and his home run call always started a swing and a belt. How about a swig and a belt? Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I, think- I thought you were going to do something with touch them all, Joe. Yeah, drink them all. Joe. But there's nothing I don't really know. there. Drink them yeah. all, Joe. <laughs> We do not in any way condone uh, excessive no, sure. of alcohol. Especially not Please at 12 bucks a pint. Like it is oh, Jesus. A swig and a belt. I think, I, I think I'm okay with that. I'm going to hang my hat on a swig and a belt. and uh, So that's fun. I wanted to ask you, Michaela, because this is making its way around. And I think this is one of these ones where maybe I'm going to come off and, and from, you know, far from the first time in my life as a bit of a, a Debbie Downer or a Grinch, as oh. you called it there a minute ago. What, what did we think? The men's high jump at the Olympics, uh, they both jump to a certain height and then they both miss at a certain height. So the protocol is supposed to be that you go into a jump off, right? Essentially the shootout, you go until somebody misses. Um, and it's a, it's a jumper from Italy and a jumper from Qatar. And they ask essentially, you know, since we both missed the last one, could we both get gold here? Like, is there such a thing as a tie? And the judge essentially goes, well, yeah, that is possible. And they both turn and go, you want to do that? And they both go, yeah. And they both take the gold. And they're both thrilled. And look, they still both did all the work to get to the Olympic Games. Both did all the work to outlast everyone but each other. 
Um, and there's messages and posts and stuff all over social media saying this is what the Olympics is all about, right? This look at the joy on these men's faces and the accomplishment that they've had and they're going to share this glory. Uh, what did you think of this? Am I a loser that I loved it? No, a, no. It, it, is there something? I, okay, like in all honesty, my normal, so and normally when we refer to ties, I use a quote that I usually have to explain. So I'll explain it first. If you've ever seen the Mighty Ducks, <laughs> I believe it was D3, the female goal goal goalie for the team, I can't remember her name, Julie said, the cat, I Gaffney. hate ties. Julie the cat, there it is. I know. Um, yeah. She said, I hate ties. They're like kissing brother. <laughs> so that's usually what I say. Uh, about ties, even though I have no experience with that, and I would just like to put it out there. Um, so normally I hate ties, but in sports like this, where it's not like a a one on one match, it's not like a you know, soccer or hockey where you're playing someone directly for this gold medal. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was nice. Like the the whole story of these Olympics has been the fact that you know these athletes don't have their families or friends here. They don't have fans in the stands, and they've had to really support each other. And there's been a lot of like cheering on within the athletes, regardless of what country you're from or what country you're representing. There's been a lot of support between the athletes, and I thought this was like a nice kind of culmination of that. It was such a genuine excitement moment, and they both got gold like it's it's not like they got half a medal each they both got the same thing they both got the gold medal and they get to go home with that um yeah i I didn't have an issue with it i thought it was a really nice moment Uh, i think back to 2010 in the vancouver olympics and i remember i don't remember was 11 seconds or 14 seconds or something like zach parise scores in the gold medal men's hockey game to tie things up i thought it was really nice that instead of going to overtime, both teams just got together and said, we'd all like the gold, please. And uh, and we didn't bother to try and determine a winner at uh, the highest level of sport available. Um, I hated this. I I love the idea. I, I love the reaction. I love that these guys are both so happy. I, I love the... They put in the work. They get a gold medal. Um, in principle, I don't have a problem with that. But you just... You know, you all, they both just kind of looked at the judge and we both have gold? And he went, yeah, let's just do that. This is supposed to be the highest level of sport. You're supposed to try to compete for the glory of your nation and to be the best in the world. And they both just went, I'm fine with a tie. And I, you know, I, I, I'm fine. It's not really a problem with the two guys who obviously both knew the rules of their sport and were able to just go, if we both just agree to stop here. Um, but to me, it's a complete indictment or it goes against what this is all supposed to be about. I, I think you're supposed to try and compete for as long as you can until you've declared a winner. And I don't have a problem with, cause I think we saw in Rio, didn't Penny tie for one of her medals, um, in, in one of the swimming events, I think. And to me, I, 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 I get that. Like, if we both hit the wall at whatever, one minute, three seconds, point fourteen milliseconds, that's a tie. You both get whatever it was, second or, or third or whatever. I'm totally fine with a legit tie. But to just have two guys both go, we're just going to agree to stop here and we'll take the gold. And I, I, there was something about it. You asked at the very beginning, does it make you a loser that you liked it? According to my Twitter mentions, it makes me a loser that I don't like it. So I think you're in the majority here, and, and I'm fine with that. Oh, thank God. I hated this. I, I, I'm i like, you can't just agree to... Why didn't all... I don't know how many 
people started, 32 competitors. Why didn't they all at the very beginning, all of them go, can we have 32 golds? Like, it's, I, I, this really bugged me for some reason. And, and again, it's not about the two guys necessarily. It's just about the fact that that's allowed to just go, yeah, we're not going to actually compete to be the best in the world. We're just going to agree that we're both awesome and walk away. And uh, it makes for a nice story. It, it's, we all feel good on social media, which is a pretty rare occurrence. But to me, it's not the way it was supposed to play out. And I know I'm being a little over the top when I mentioned the Vancouver Twin, but to put that in Canadian, Sidney Crosby's golden goal sucked. We should have just agreed when we were tied at the end of the third. We're both really good. Let's just split the golds. Is sort of how I felt about it. So I don't know enough about high jump to really. You're not a really high jump say definitely, but no. All <laughs> I know is they were jumping the height of my freaking ceiling. Was <laughs> um, there is a there is an obvious built-in. Uh, overtime mechanism yeah. in hockey. And there is an obvious built-in tiebreaker mechanism in many sports. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the same thing exists here because as I was watching it, I remember there was a, I don't know how many times they each missed the highest level, right. but there was a stretch where like everyone was missing it. So like, did they get to a point where they're like, okay, we're going to be here forever. Um, try to, you know, uh, allow you guys to hit this or like, sometimes overtime like, takes forever. Or bring yeah, it down half an inch like, or whatever and now see if you can both. I just don't want to see two guys look at each other and go, wait, if we both quit, we can just both have gold. I, I don't like that. It, it's There is a jump off. Like they declined well, it obviously the doesn't jump off. happen enough. No. It doesn't happen enough that this is an issue. No, like it's, it no. was, I, th- I think it was just so late in the competition that they were like, you know what, let's just call it. And it's, it's a, again, like, there, there obviously isn't that built-in tie-break mechanism because if there was, I feel like the judges probably would have insisted. Well, there is. There's a jump-off though. It. That oh. was the option, right? Like, and they both declined it. That's how we ended up here. I don't know. So we we'll have it if they can just decline it though. Like, I, I, I again, I don't yeah. know enough about high jump to say this is the like, thing we yes, do at every should have happened or no, they really. shouldn't have. Is <laughs> we we suddenly become yeah. experts in every sport and uh, look. I understand I'm being a bit of a, a curmudgeon, for lack of a better word, and and that's okay. I Look, I, I just, there's supposed to be, to me, this idea that this is the highest level we can possibly compete at, and we decided to stop competing. And, and it just sort of rubbed me the wrong way, and I, I keep coming back to it. It's not necessarily about these two guys. It's about the fact that we're allowed to just, you know, Hand out two silvers then. Why two golds? You didn't yeah, beat you didn't I, beat the I last suppose. guy standing. I can tell you don't agree with me, and that's okay. I, no, I, but I see your point. Like yeah. you make a valid point, and I don't have a counter argument to it. I think it's a gut feel. Yeah, uh, at this that's point. all. Like, that's all it is. You know, you're right. If if we didn't go to overtime with hockey, we would be outraged. Right. Um, especially if Canada wins. <laughs> um, but like I I I don't really. You know, you, you're right in that. This this should be the best of the best, and I, I have a hard time saying it's not the best of the best because again, these two did reach the highest level of all the, the yep, competitors. They beat out everybody right? Else. It's not like exactly, yep. and it's a single uh, athlete sport, so I see less of an issue with the the kind of tie mechanism there. 
Um, it doesn't happen. Like if this was happening several times per Olympics, I think I'd be like, okay, maybe let's have a conversation here. <laughs> right. um, but I just, I don't know. It, it didn't bother me that much, but I see your point. Yeah. I, I, I agree that it, it is a little ridiculous and, and I, I don't disagree with you in, in that sense, but in terms of like how much it pissed me off, I was, I was okay with it. Yeah. That's, the world I live in is me being more angry than everyone else at the <laughs> tiniest details. So I think that's okay. And we did, I did see a great tweet the other day that was just like, or maybe it was just earlier today that was just like, you know, how many Olympic events have we all watched? Went, Man, that was awesome. And then immediately afterwards, the commentators like, they'll be devastated with that performance. And just immediately yes. <laughs> it proved to us how little we know. They're going to lose so many points for right. this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> It looked incredible. Like, watch gymnastics. Oh, gymnastics or synchronized diving. And I'm like, they, they were they were completely in sync. Yes. There was nothing off. And the judge is like, they're going to lose a ton of points for this. And I'm like, I didn't see it. Right. Um, <sighs> let's talk a little bit about the uh, Canadian women's basketball team who did not have the greatest showing. Um, to me, and, and again, this is a sport where you're going to be far more informed than I am. This looked like a case of not great cohesion for it, it was more of a lack of cohesion than it was a lack of talent in what I saw in these games and and it's sort of a a statement with such a small round robin where you only get three round robin games before you're into the playoffs um you you can't afford a slow start and they needed a win against Serbia in game 1 and they didn't get it and and Serbia's not a pushover but I think we would have predicted Canada would beat them and once you don't you're under a ton of pressure to beat Spain, who is a very good team. And then if you don't, you're in, you need a pile of help from, you know, results across the other pools uh, to see who's going to get in. It was a disappointing showing. Um, but as you were looking, it, you know, you'll correct me if I'm wrong or tell me if you think I'm off base. But to me, it looked like they had plenty of talent, but they just didn't put it together quick enough as a unit or as a team to be able to out-execute some of these other, uh, you know, teams they were playing against. Yeah, that that's definitely part of it. And it felt like in these games, they were so disjointed, Team Canada. And, you know, nothing was dropping for them, especially in the game against Serbia. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked up what their three-point percentage was, but it had to have been it's low, low because... Horribly I don't low, think, I remember, yeah. I don't think I saw a single three-point shot drain yeah. like it was it was agonizing and yet it's not like they didn't have those chances they mm -hmm. had those chances to make those shots it was it was almost like it was the problem was a bit between the years mm -hmm. right like the the pressure of the olympics or or what i don't know but there was definitely um there was something going on with team canada where they were incredibly disjointed their confidence felt way way off and like they're coming into the tournament not necessarily the favorites but they're definitely expected to do something yes. they are ranked at sixth in the world i believe yeah and like it just it, they didn't look like a sixth ranked team and um i was a little surprised and, and i know she's young but Aaliyah edwards got like 30 seconds of playing time in this entire tournament and for, for those who aren't familiar with her, she plays for UConn. She was a freshman on UConn uh, last year. She plays with Paige Becker. She was probably one of the best players in the NCAA Women's uh, National Basketball Tournament for UConn, aside from Paige Beckers. Paige Beckers was obviously fantastic. But Aaliyah Edwards was a hugely impactful player, especially on the defensive side. And 
can't, you know, Canada's got her. She's Canadian. Right. And they didn't use her at all. And they could have because as many takeaways as, as Canada had, they had just as many, if not more, against them. They were giving up the ball like crazy. The and, turnovers, and yet, especially in that Spain of, game, were insane. Oh, like, I, unbelievable. Yeah. And you don't want one of the best offensive players in the NCAA out there. And I know they've, like, Canada seemed to rely more on their veterans than their young players at times. And it just didn't make sense to me. And l- listen, no disrespect to Kia Nurse. She played actually really well, um, but she can't do it alone. And, and um, Bridget Carlton did, you know, played pretty well. And, and, and I thought she had an okay turn. It just felt like they, they had this resource in Aaliyah Edwards, who I think is going to be one of the best players in the WNBA when she's inevitably drafted. Um, I think she's going to be one of the best players in the NCAA for the next three years. She's only a sophomore, and yet you don't use her at all. I thought that was bizarre to me. We don't often get to say that Canada has a national, like a basketball star, right? right. Key, Key and Nurse has been it for so long. And and I think Aaliyah Edwards has that potential, and they they just didn't use her at all. Maybe she was hurt. I I haven't heard anything, but um, that was that was a little disappointing to me. Are they in danger of? Um, I I don't want to use the word wasting because it seems too harsh, but I think you'll follow me. Similar to what happened for a long time with Canadian women's soccer, where Christine Sinclair, her prime was. Again, not wasted, but came alongside a bit of a transition time in the program, and it was on the come. And her best years, um, it was entirely on her back, and at times there just wasn't around enough around to support her. And by the time the team was sort of built up um, to be able to better support her, her she was still able to contribute, but her best years were behind her. Are we running a similar risk with Kia Nurse? who, again, is a long way from over the hill or, you know, falling apart physically, anything like that. But you only get these Olympics, they only come around every four years. It's hard to to get it done at the right time. And she's going to only have so many cracks at this. And, you know, it feels like maybe we're at a point where they they should be better supporting her than than what we saw at this tournament and you wonder whether it's going to be any better in three years there are some young players who will be pushing up and but you got to use them right you got to actually use them um before she comes out of her uh out of her prime if that makes any sense yeah i mean i think that's a fair question and you know kind of funny you've seen st Clair because i think that like if you look at Kia Nurse, she's 25 years old. Next Olympics are in three years, so she's going to be 28. Mm-hmm. That's around the age that Christine St. Clair was when London happened, right? I think St. Clair would have been 29, Okay, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, age-wise, they're kind of lining up, and, and maybe, maybe Paris 2024 is where Canada finally, uh, you know, breaks through this this ceiling and and makes some headway in the in the women's basketball tournament and Kia Nurse becomes the next Christine St. Clair. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I think she's still young enough that that is a possibility. Um but it's it's definitely disappointing. Like it it doesn't I I, I don't want to take anything away. I mean they were again I, I hate to sound like somebody like it was an honor to be nominated but they were there they made the olympics and that in and of itself is a big accomplishment and we're not used to seeing that here in canada um on the basketball side always so i think that 
they deserve a lot of credit. They did not have a good tournament, but they need to take away and 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 learn from it and just be better next time because they've got the tools. Aaliyah Edwards will be three years older and likely she'll. I don't know if she'll forego her last year of eligibility, but she'll either be in the WNBA or about to be drafted in the WNBA next time the Olympics take place. So hopefully they they use her more and they take advantage of of the talent that they have in her on the team and and Kia Nurse is still playing in the prime. So, you know, there's still hope for for Canadian basketball. This is definitely disappointing, but I I definitely don't think we're we're at a point yet where there's a waste. Okay. Um on Friday morning, AJ Jackiebeck of the uh, Red Blacks broadcast team will be on the podcast going in depth on uh, on the CFL and the Red Blacks. We are inside week 1 on Thursday. I guess that's probably what uh, a lot of people's Thursday evening will look like is uh, the first CFL game of the year as uh, I believe Winnipeg's hosting and then right afterwards we'll see um, that gold medal women's soccer game unless it gets moved. I did see, Michaela, there is a new episode of the Mouchoir podcast available marking the uh, the first week of the CFL season. Um, just uh, quickly before we get out of here, where are you at on the, uh, on the CFL and how things are shaking loose for the Red Blacks and, and what that, you know, what that opening night roster is kind of looking like for them. I am so excited that CFL football is back. I am not at all excited that the first Red Blacks game is at 10 p.m., um, <laughs> but that's okay. It's a Saturday, and I will prevail. Um, but, yeah, so we we did uh, – we launched our, our first episode. I guess, it's not the first episode of the season. We've had a few kind of uh, preseason episodes, mm-hmm. even though there was no preseason. Uh, <laughs> but this was our, our season preview. Uh, for the Red Blacks, and you know the theme of it is, and you know you'll have to listen to the full episode to find out exactly what. Obviously, um, but the theme of it is we don't know, yeah, <laughs> because there's so many unknowns about this team. You know, new coach in Paul Lapolis, new quarterback in Matt Nichols. Obviously, the two of them have a history together, but Matt Nichols has also been inconsistent and riddled with injuries his whole career. A um, lot of new uh, players on, on the offense in particular. And I highlight this, that there is nowhere to go but up for the Red Blocks offense. They were literally the worst in so many offensive categories, including points for and yards for uh, in 2019, which I know feels like a lifetime ago, yeah. but they only scored just over 15 points uh, per game, and they were out. They, they allowed just over 30 points per game in 2019. So they were outscored. Yeah. Now they were outscored by an average of more than two touchdowns. That's that's not good. And uh, they only managed to get 293 yards per game, uh, which you know, again, I'm not good at math, but if you do that every game, you're not going to score too much. So. <laughs> There's nowhere to go but up for this offense, but there's a lot of unknowns. And, you know, can R.J. Harris – R.J. Harris had a decent season in, in 2019, even though it wasn't a full season. He only played 14 games, but he's probably going to be relied on, I think anyway, barring something unforeseeable, he's going to be relied on as the kind of veteran uh, receiver on this team. And, you know, does Nate Bahar get more of an opportunity? Um, I hope so. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential, and, and obviously he's a great guy, so you want to see him succeed. Um, but there's there's a number of new faces, a few guys they brought in from the NFL, who I think will be uh, will be an interesting. Um, you know, it's always interesting to see how those players do. And, and Paul Lapolis has brought in a few guys who played with him in Winnipeg, so yeah. you know you, you'd like to think they have some uh, chemistry there. And, and on defense, I mean, there's a lot of the same players, but they also have to be better. The Red Blacks were terrible in defensive categories last year or in 2019 as well. Um, my, my co-host Shannon brings up a great point that they were on the field for a lot 
of the, of the games because the offense was so terrible. So they had a bigger workload, but um, there's some new additions on defense that I'm really excited about, including Cleon Lang, uh, who the Red Blacks brought in from Toronto. Um, he's got something like 33 sacks and 89 career games. So we, we need more of that for sure. So yeah, the, the, the gist of it is um, we will see. It's going to be, I, I, I'm going to make one big prediction for the early days of the CFL season. It's going to be sloppy football. Yeah. Yeah. There's no preseason. These guys haven't played for a couple of years. I really hope we don't see a lot of injuries. That's my only hope. But I think we're going to see some pretty terrible football. If if anything, it might be it might be a little more interesting because we might see more touchdowns. Because with terrible football comes higher scoring games sure. sometimes. Fumbles, sometimes. interceptions. We'll see. Right? Oh yeah, and and I'm all for that. So so we'll see. But uh, I'm just uh, like many people. I'm just excited to have CFL football back. Excitement level. I was going to ask one to ten. 15 all right <laughs> love that. well like 11 yeah because it's saturday at 10 p.m come <laughs> okay. on guys what are you down, doing man. to me and the red blocks i will say this the red block schedule sucks it doesn't do anybody any favors um but i am not okay with the 10 p.m start on uh on saturday so i'll to- tone my excitement down a little bit but uh what are you are you excited for for the cfl to return i really am this is um i, I absolutely agree with you and if i'm letting the audience in on uh you know behind the curtain here it was tuesday night aj was was on the show so we've already talked we've already recorded and he said exactly what you said that it is insane trying to make any concrete predictions on how this is going to go there's been turnover on every team at multiple positions and you just don't know how this is going to look after a full year off um hamilton looks like the class of the east anyway but beyond that it's kind of hard to pick what this is going to look like but it's just been so long without football that I'm at best a casual NFL fan, but once the CFL is up and going, um, I'm all in. And so last year, uh, it didn't have any of that. And I, I early on, I thought, okay, maybe I'll follow the NFL a little more, and it just didn't happen. Like I, I'm clearly just a, a CFL guy more than anything else. So um, with them back up and running, um, and it almost fits perfectly, you know, whether it's a, for content creators like us or just as fans. Um, you know, the Stanley Cup was awarded a couple of weeks ago. Free agency, the draft, the NBA free agency period is now open after their championship and their draft. Like, And those sports are just now sort of fading into the background. Um, and the CFL is firing up. Like in terms of timing, in terms of keeping things going, couldn't be any more perfect with the, the Blue Jays also now into an interesting stretch for them. So I'm all in. I'm very excited. I'm ready to get the the Canadian Football League going. And I think I probably this year end up watching more non-Ottawa games than maybe in, uh, than I would in most years. I'm just, I'm really excited to see them back. I'm just, honestly, it sounds a little dramatic. I'm just happy they survived, right? Like, I'm happy it's still here. That wasn't yeah. always a given. This was... That's not dramatic. I think you're right. I yeah. think they came they came pretty close if if I'm get and I'm get just guessing. I don't have any inside information, but like it was not looking good there for Right. A time. And you know, we've got the XFL thing out of the way. Um we've got the government stuff out of the way. We're just going to play football now and that wasn't always a given. So I'm I'm very happy that uh that we're firing this thing back up. Uh was there anything else you wanted to get to on this one? No. No, that was pretty much it. It's been a busy week in sports, so uh just just again, happy to be looking forward to CFL football and nervous as hell for whatever time the Canada game is. 
So if you want to follow along with my mental breakdown, please uh, follow me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. I like that. Uh, I absolutely will be following along with that mental breakdown. Um, she's also on Instagram at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D. It's kind of fun to say. Hey? Like what you, you just, you it know, is. It rolls off the tongue nicely a little considering bit, yeah. my last name doesn't. <laughs> so, um, and uh, you can find Michaela's Craft Beer Takes on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital. We are on Twitter and Instagram as a show at Tall Can Audio. And where else are we? The Facebook thing. It's on and off. It's on right now. If you're still a Facebook person, uh, we're still throwing things up there at facebook.com slash audio. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you hit the subscribe button, the follow button, whatever, the thumbs up button, whatever it looks like. Just hit it. You're going to like it. We got great stuff coming. Uh, and we're not going to disappear on you here over the summer like so many of the other uh, sports podcasts tend to do. And I guess that's about it. So for Michaela Schreider, my name's Matt Robinson, and we will see you on the next episode of Tall Can Audio. Peace! Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.